1: This series is entitled, Learn the Bible in 24 Hours. In today's study, Dr. Missler continues his session entitled, The End Times.
0: This is the uh, harpazo, one of several passages on this topic. We shall be caught up together. The word caught up in the Greek is harpazo. In the Latin Vulgate, under Jerome's translation, it was rapturo, but here it's, and then it translated into uh, English, it would be caught up or snatched up. But the term in the Greek is very precise. It's to be forcibly caught up together, with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so, from that point on, by the way, so shall we ever be with the Lord. From that point on, we'll not be separated. There's lots of confusion, because when a Christian dies, his soul and spirit is with the Lord. His body decays in the grave. What kind of body does he have in the meantime? We don't know. Some people guess maybe we have a temporary body. We know he doesn't get his resurrection body until this event. So what happens between? There's all kinds of scholastic conjectures. Most of what we know about this subject comes out of Luke 16, and there's a, we've done some special briefings on that, but let's just move on here. This holy event that Paul is talking about in 1 Thessalonians, and he also alludes to it in 1 Corinthians 15, is a fulfillment of the promise Jesus gave them when they were in the upper room. That night he was betrayed, before he gets to Gethsemane, they have the famous discourse uh, in John 14 through 17. And he opens it, he says, let not your heart be troubled, in John 14. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. For in, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. That's pretty exciting. He left them to prepare a place for us, and He's been at it for 1900 years. We know what God did in six days. What could He do in 1900 years? I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to really make a parallel there, but I think it's interesting. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. There's that commitment again. Not only will it come to get us, we'll be with Him from that point on. This is a little confusing. Because we think of the second coming when He comes with His armies to crush the Antichrist and all those things. How can He come with us if He says here He's coming to receive us? This is the first hint if we're paying attention that there's two comings involved. Most people don't realize that He's coming back twice. Once for the church and once for Israel. Different events. We'll, We'll come to that. Another thing, as we get back to 1 Thessalonians, when you get to chapter 5, there's some interesting commitments that that are often overlooked that God gives the church through Paul. Paul continues in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And I'm going to suggest to you when you read the whole passage, he's implicitly referring here to the children of the night. Just trust me for a minute, we'll come back to this. He said, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night to those guys, is what he's in effect going to be saying here. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of the light, and children of the day. Ye are not of the night or of darkness. Let us, therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day. Be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus. Let me go back so you get the tone of this. Paul says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Not to everybody, to those guys, is what he's saying. In other words, to the children of the night. Because he goes on to say, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of the light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, or of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober, for they that sleep sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunk in the night, but let us who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for helmet, of se- uh, the helmet for and helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you follow the flow of that? See, it's very important because people, he comes as a thief in the night, yes. If he comes in the thief of the night to you, that's because you're in, the, you're in the night, not the day. That doesn't mean that the children of the day will know the time of the day and the hour. But they will know the times and the seasons. You'll have, they'll be expecting him. God teaches his own to be expecting him. That doesn't mean you know the day and the hour. Don't misunderstand that part of it. But I want you to notice verse 9, for God hath not appointed us to wrath. Understand the commitment here. God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. The wrath of God will be the focus in the book of Revelation being poured out on the world. Are we there? No. And I'll show you why in several places. That's a very fundamental dispute among some scholars. And I'm. I'm I don't want to sell you my view. I want you to be aware of the view. I want you to confirm it by your own studies. This is one I meant to say something else about this whole hour before we started. And that at the top of your notepad put Acts 17.11. Acts 17.11 is what Paul said about the Bereans, that they were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all the Openness of mind, but they search the scriptures daily to prove whether those things be so. The Bereans were skeptical, and he encouraged that. In other words, Acts seventeen eleven is Luke's way of telling you don't believe anything Chuck Nisler tells you, but check it out for yourself. But I'd be doing you a disservice if I don't at least share with you the views that I have gleaned from fifty years of study. Not that they're correct. But at least you'll be aware of those views. God has not appointed us to wrath. He's speaking to the church. And the church has a, that, uh, several places that kind of commitment is very, very precious because it affects our perspective of the end times. Let's get to the second epistle of Thessalonians. I'll call it Our Blessed Hope, part two. Some time goes by... And Paul once again, down in Corinth, learns that the Thessalonians are now really upset. You need to understand why they're upset in order to understand Paul's letter here. He's answering a question. You won't understand the answer unless you know what the question was, so to speak. Something else you'll discover as you get into the background of 2 Thessalonians is that there was a forgery being circulated as if by Paul. And Paul is responding to this letter that is not one that he wrote. They're really upset because first of all persecutions have begun. Up till now the pressures on the church came from the Jewish leadership. Every place you go in the book of Acts, there's these uprisings, but it's always the Jewish leaders that are resisting the Christians. Something has changed here. Suddenly the, Ro- the Romans, up till now, didn't take sides. They just wanted peace. They didn't want insurrections. But at this point we're starting to see persecution by the Romans. The Thessalonians are upset because they think the Tribulation has begun. They're really shook because they're starting to get the uh, the abuses under Nero and all the rest. So they're upset for one of two reasons. Either they think they've missed the rapture, or Paul didn't teach them Properly, because they think they know they haven't been raptured and there's persecutions going on, and they're really upset. That fact alone tells you the kind of teaching they must have had. They were taught not to expect the great tribulation. Doesn't say going to miss persecutions, but people get those two topics confused. So Paul is going to deal with the order of events. He is going to deal with their misapprehensions. He's going to point out that what's coming is soon, but not yet. And then he's going to talk about the coming challenge. Work for the night is coming, and so forth. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, one could argue that the second chapter, this is a little epistle of just three chapters, an opening and a closing in chapter 2. Chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians is one of the most important eschatological passages in the New Testament. Let's take a look at what Paul is saying to them. He says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of the Lord is at hand. The subject that is the day of the Lord is using here in 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 a denotative sense the day of the Lord is this time of all these cataclysmic final things. And and they think they've entered that and they don't understand why they're not raptured. Don't be so, sh- don't be so soon shaken by any of these things or even by a letter as if from us. They apparently were uh, subject to some kind of forgery here. Because he's going to sign the letter in a very large hand. He's going to let them really know this one is from him as that day of the Lord is at hand. Or by letter as from us, he says. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. The man of sin is one of 13 titles in the New Testament of the guy that we casually call the Antichrist. The man of sin, the son of perdition. These are two titles that are used of of this man of Satan, if you will. He has 33 labels in the Old Testament, 13 in the New. But this is one of the allusions here in the New Testament. But I want to talk about this falling away first. The word in the Greek is apostasia. That word can mean one of two things. It can mean a falling away of the faith, like apostasy. It can also mean the falling or catching away. You can make a competent case, if you're a Greek expert, that this term apostasia here is referring to the rapture. But I'm not going to make that case because I don't need to. I'm going to take the other view, because it serves our purpose just as well, but let this simply mean a falling away, because we certainly know from the Scripture that in the end times the churches will fall away, and we'll catch that in the next hour especially. So without making the hard case, which can be made if you were, if you really want to get into the Greek technicalities, but let's set that aside there came a way of falling away, apostasy, say, and uh, meaning just a falling away in the, uh, uh, of faith in the church. And that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshiped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This is quite a sentence. Let's look at what he's really saying. That the man of sin, the son of perdition, he's talking about the Antichrist, What is he going to do? He's going to oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God. That's quite a statement. This world leader is going to rise and he is going to exalt himself above Allah. All that is called God. He's going to exalt himself above the Pope going to exalt Himself above any concept of a Jewish Messiah. Take whatever you call God in the Catholic world, the Protestant world, or the, the Jewish world, or the Islamic world. He is going to exalt Himself above all that is called God. This implicitly talks about a world religion worshiping Him. He will exalt himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped. That's quite a bundle. So that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God. Really? This is one of the three places that we know that the temple is going to be standing at the end times. Because Jesus, Paul here, and John all make reference to it showing himself that he is God. Now here's what's, the next sentence is kind of surprising. Paul says, remember ye not that when I was yet with you I told you these things? Now wait a minute. He was with them during the first two three weeks of their Christian experience. He went there, they got saved, and he was with them a couple of weeks. And he taught them all this stuff? This is stuff you usually don't get until you've been a Christian for some years. This is tough stuff. Paul continues, Now ye know what restraineth, or hinders, that might be revealed in this time. For the mystery of iniquity hath already worked. Only he who now restrains will restrain until he be taken out of the way. So now we have this mystery of this thing called the Restrainer. What on earth is the Restrainer? He restrains the mystery of iniquity. I can make a theological case that this is not an angel. This is not some force. This is not the church. There's all kinds of theories that have been advanced. This is a person. Only he who now restrains. And the Greek grammar uses, uh, implies a neuter noun. And the word for spirit is a neuter noun. So without getting into all the technicalities, I'm just going to aver here for, and let you study it on your own to find another explanation if you can find one. This is the Holy Spirit, but in a very peculiar way. The Holy Spirit will be very active in the forthcoming period, but He is in a role today that is unique. Most of Paul's epistles are hard to understand because you don't understand how astounded he was as a pharisaical Jew to realize the Holy Spirit was given to the believer without repentance, that he, that he sealed you, that he indwelled you, and it's in that sense he's going to be removed. So you see, everybody says, well, the Holy Spirit's going to be removed from the earth. In a sense, yes, but people are going to be saved after He leaves and they are saved by Him. So He's going to be active, but He's going to be active the way He was in the Old Testament. Jesus makes the remark that He had to leave so that He, the Holy Spirit could come in the unique way that He indwells the church today. There's a whole thing you've got to get into there, but anyway, in any case, this removal of the Holy Spirit is again an allusion to the rapture. And then, shall the wicked one be revealed. See, this wicked one can't be revealed until after the rapture. And then shall the wicked one be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. He's there. That's a broad statement of what ultimately will happen before it's all over. The word until. Until what? Until he's taken out of the way. Then shall the wicked one be revealed. You get that timing. It's very important. People miss that. Let's look at it another way. The whole subject is the day of the Lord. This final consummation. The day of the Lord shall not come except there be a falling away. The apostasy. That word apostasy can mean the rapture but I'm not going to insist on that. Let's assume it just means a falling from the faith. That day, except they are falling away first. He who now restrains will restrain Until he be taken out of the way. Then shall the man of sin be revealed. Do you get that order? A falling way of faith, the Holy Spirit, the rapture removed, then the man of sins revealed, then the day of the Lord. The man of sin is the guy that defines the 70th week of Daniel. So, the seventh week of Daniel can't start until the man of sin is revealed, and the man of sin can't be revealed until the rapture takes place. So, the rapture occurs not just before the tribulation, before the whole seventh week of Daniel is the point. And again, don't accept it. Jot it down. Do your own study. Come to your own conclusions. But Paul continues even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Wait a minute. Realize what he's saying. This leader that's coming is going to work with all power and signs and lying wonders of Satan. And with all deceivableness and of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, not a lie, the lie. Many of us have uh, Been intrigued with the delightful fictional series developed by Tim LaHaye and his partner, called Left Behind. Tim's a good friend; he's a very able guy, and Jerry Jenkins, who wrote most of the stories, is able writer. And uh, that very popular, very successful series caused many people to get interested in prophecy. There is one aspect to it that is quite controversial among theologians because the whole premise of the Left Behind series is that people who rejected Christ before the rapture have a chance afterwards. And there are good Bible scholars that may agree with that. There are also many Bible scholars who don't think that's proper because of this passage. Because this passage implies that those who rejected Christ before the rapture God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. The picture that is painted here would seem to suggest that if someone has had the opportunity to accept Christ and rejects Him, the rapture takes place, they don't really get a second chance. I put it another way maybe that the odds are against it because they're going to be enmeshed in the lie that follows. So the time to receive Christ is now, is the point, in any case. No, 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 no competent theologian would argue that one. But there are two views on this that I share it with you. But something else about the Second Coming, if you, you can collect a dozen passages, over a dozen passages that talk about the Second Coming uh, as a very dramatic uh, event, obviously. You can also collect a group of passages that describe the rapture in very different terms. And I don't have the time to go through each one of these. I'm going to categorize them in a different way. These two groups of passages are contradictory. The group of passages that talk about the rapture, I'll put in one bucket, the others, the second coming another, and I'll call the different sections. In the one case, you have the translation of believers only. In the second coming of Christ, there is no translation mentioned. The translation occurs before the rapture or at the end of the thousand years. In the rapture, the translated saints go to heaven. In the second coming, the translated saints return to the earth. There's a difference. they are opposites in fact. In the rapture the earth isn't judged. In the second coming that's the whole purpose of it. It is judged. The rapture is described as being eminent. That is it could happen at any moment. Jesus clearly instructs us to expect him at any time. The second coming is quite different. It follows after seven years of details that precede the second coming. The rapture's not in the Old Testament. I think it's hinted in a couple of places, but it's not formally there. It's certainly, uh, the second coming is predicted all through the Old Testament. The rapture's believers only. The second coming affects all men on the planet Earth. The rapture occurs before the day of wrath. The second coming concludes the day of wrath. The rapture has no reference to Satan. The second coming, Satan's bound. In the rapture, Jesus comes for His own. In the second coming, He comes with His own. He comes in the air. In the one case, He comes to the earth in the other. He claims His bride in the rapture. He comes with His bride in the second coming. In the rapture, only His own shall see Him. Do you realize that from the crucifixion on, He was only seen by loving eyes and only handled by loving hands. Interesting, And even in the rapture, only his own will see him. In the second coming, every eye shall see him.
1: You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Dr. Chuck Missler. For a complete listing of resources available, please contact this station or go to khouse.org. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Until next time, may God richly bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.